Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. We're going through the book of Matthew, and we're in a series. uh, We just ended a series called Next Step, and this sermon is called Lost and Found. And uh, Carlos told a story about kind of losing one of his children for uh, a little while. When we moved to Cyprus uh, from Lakewood, uh, we first got into our house. This was about a year ago. And we were doing all the stuff you do when you normally w- move in. The carpet was real nasty, so we changed the carpet out. And uh, we, we were painting and doing a bunch of stuff. And so uh, uh, I went to Home Depot. And when I got home, uh, uh, I had forgotten the key to the house. So the trash cans were out, so I, I brought those to the side of the house. And then I um, uh, uh, went, went to the front door. I didn't have my key. And so I, I knocked on the door, and I knocked on the door again. Nobody came, so I went back around the side of the house, and I go to the back of my house, and my sliding door is wide open, completely wide open. I walk in, and, you know, hello, anybody home? Nobody's home. I go through all the rooms. Oh, it's weird. So I call Lisa, my wife, and uh, I say, uh, hey, Thanks for leaving the back, the screen door open in the back because I didn't have my key. And she said, well, just have the girls let you in. I said, well, the, the girls aren't here. They're not with you? No, they're not with me. Okay. So uh, at this time, Audrey was 14 and Emily was uh, 12 and a half. And uh, so, you know, you just kind of go, oh, all right. You know, they're at the park. So we, we live right next door to a park. So I walk out the front door. The park is pitch black. I'm like looking out. Where are they? Where are my kids? Where's Audrey and Emily? So you know that feeling you get when it just starts not to make sense and you start to panic a little bit? So I'm a pretty calm person, but that started happening. So I'm like, okay. So I have this super insanely loud whistle that all my kids come to when I, like actually most of the dogs in the neighborhood come to the house. So I do my little super loud whistle, nothing. Super loud whistle, nothing. I get Lisa back on the phone. I don't know where they are. She said, I'm coming home right now. So she came home. And time just keeps going. Like with every, I'd say 30 seconds, the weight became heavier and the kind of panic began to set in. So we called 911 and I can't, unless you've experienced it, I can't describe what it's like to have your wife describe your kids to a 911 call. Like just having her describe my daughters and with that panic is just crazy. It's just crazy. They, they were gone. And if you know my daughters, I just kept, I just kept going, this is, this is impossible. Emily's way too fast and Audrey, Audrey's way too smart. They couldn't have gotten both of them. Like one I could see, but there's no way they're getting both of them, right? And I had to explain in first service, Audrey's also fast and Emily's also smart, okay? So it wasn't like, but I mean, just the two of them together, I, 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 it's crazy. So... The, the police come and they came fast. They came very fast. And the guy stepped out of his car and he said, you know, this, this happens, you know. I'm like, kids just disappear out of thin air. That just happens. I really, because I've never heard of that before, where a kid just vanishes. That's funny that you just come out and say, this happens. What happens? Oh, they probably went to the store. 
Like, they didn't go to the store, dude. I'm saw so, uh, officer, dude. They didn't go to the store, I promise you. They did not go to the store, okay? They don't do, like, kids don't do that. They don't just up and leave. And he's looking at me like, okay, whatever. I, I, if he didn't have a gun, oh, I just want to pop him. All of a sudden, I hear a blood-curdling scream down the street. It's my daughter, Emily. I could tell. I mean, the minute I heard it, I knew it was her. So I take off running down the street. And they're coming up. And I forgot to tell this part of it last. So they were coming out of a, of a person's front lawn. And a man was following them. And let me tell you something. That dude, I was going to break his neck right there. I didn't even know the story. I didn't, even, I didn't have to. It's just there's my dog. So I, I'm looking, and there's no blood. There's no nothing. And she sees me, and I see her. And when I, when I, because Emily is the faster of the two, so she got to me first. <laughs> so uh, to feel, ah, uh, to feel her next to me, like to feel that, oh, man. I've never had a better hug in my life to just take every, all the stress, all the panic and to just have her back. You know, and the dude was looking at me and he was so awesome because after I was hugging her, I like looked up at him and he's like, they just knocked on my door. Right. He's like, but we talked later. He's a really neat believer down the street. He's like, dude, I thought you were going to kill me. I'm like, I, I was, I, I was going to kill you. I was going to be in prison. It's awesome. So have a nice day. So uh, all the neighbors come, you know, the neighbors are everywhere. And, uh, you know, I've got the kids and I look up and I go, hi, my name's John and we're your new neighbors and we're insane. So I just thought I'd let you know. So let's rewind all the way back. Me pulling into the driveway. What happened? What happened? Okay. I pull into the driveway and I bring the trash cans in and I open up the back gate and my kids hear me, the two girls, and they freak out. I hear somebody. You know, and you know how, you know how girls get, I hear somebody. I hear it too. You know, and it's like, they start get escalating. You know how that goes? I don't know if you've ever been around teenage girls. I don't <clears throat> recommend it, but the, the thing is, so, so they hear, they hear, they hear, right? Well, what do you think it is? I don't know. Is it dad? I don't know. All of a sudden, boom, 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 boom on the front door. It's me. It's me. Okay. But not to them. And to them, it's something else. Hey, he's knocking on the door. Don't answer it. Don't answer you know, So they're in the back. All of a sudden, nobody answers the door. I open up the back gate. They hop the back fence. They're gone. I mean, they're just, they're gone. So they go, well, let's, let's sit by the park and see. So they go to away oh, the other side of the park and they see a man come out of the front door and look in the park. It's me again. Hello. Like, I'm not that intimidating. All right. So they, they're freaking out. So they run. They run. Meanwhile, I'm with Jesse and we're, I'm going house to house. I'm, gonna, I'm just like, you know, you know, what is it? Uh, Jack Bauer, you know, where did you put my daughters? You know, stabbing them with stuff. So one house, which I refer to as the creepy house. I was particularly concerned about. So I, I knocked on that door and they answered it. I mean, you can just imagine. I was, I was crazed. I just stick my head in the house. I'm looking for my daughters, you know. I mean, can you imagine you open the door and someone's, hey, dude, what are you doing, you know? 
Uh, my daughter's here, you know. So Jesse's going from house. Well, Jesse t- had talked to some kids, some teenage boys, and they got in their car to go look for him. So what the blood-curdling scream was, as they were walking up towards the house, they see the police cars. So they're freaking out. And all of a sudden, a car pulls up and goes, are you lost? It was those boys. That's when Emily hit the siren. You know, know, and that's when I head over. So it all turns out fine. Right? So, er, yeah. Yay, we're crazy. Yay. What a stupid family. Okay. Thanks. My point is this. That feeling of them being lost is so, it's so raw. Like what's going through your mind is so raw. You've never rehearsed it before. You don't have a a way, you don't have a mechanism that just kicks in. You just start, your brain just starts going. Everything slows down. You can barely hear anything. It just, it's just crazy. And then that feeling of having them is so awesome. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 18. He says this. Oops, don't look at that. Don't look at that. You're not supposed to see that there. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety nine on the hills to go and look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. He, I, te- I, I tell you the truth. He is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety nine that did not wander off. In the same way, in the, in the same way, In the exact same way, your heavenly father, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. In the same way, God rejoices when you get back in a relationship with him. Now, in this particular text, it's talking about um, uh, uh, a Christian that's wandered off and has come back. But in Luke, Jesus tells an identical story that talks about a sinner, one who's never come to Jesus, one who's never had a relationship with God. The same thing. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to lump us all together. And what I'm going to define a sheep, a lost sheep as, is anyone who's outside of the relationship that God intended them to have. If you've never known Jesus as your Savior, if you've never gotten rid of your sin, you're a lost sheep. If you've known him and you've had that relationship and you've wandered off, you're a lost sheep. So I'm going to lump us all together because we've all been or will be or, 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 uh, uh, or have seen somebody in this particular situation. So I'm, I'm going to give you real quickly some good news and some bad news. You already cheated and saw the bad news. But uh, you are a sheep. Bad news. Everybody here is a sheep. That's how God sees you. You go, oh man, that's kind of weird. Well, well, we'll get into that a little bit. And, and I have them talking a little bit here. That is bad news, okay? First service threw stuff at me, actually, for that one. So here we go. Look, sheep need guidance, okay? Now see, in America, we're our own man. We're our own woman. We're carving out our own way. We don't need anything, anybody. Just give me the right job, the right amount of cash, and I'll make my own way. I'm going to do it. But that's not how God sees us. God sees us as sheep. 
God sees us as people needing guidance. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 53, 6 says this. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. It didn't rhyme in the Hebrew, by the way. It just happens to rhyme in, uh, in English. We've all gone astray. God sees us all as sheep. Okay? Sheep need to eat constantly. They need to eat constantly. They're always eating. You say, maybe I am a sheep, actually. No. What happens is we're always feeding our mind. We're always eating. We're always, and what happens with a sheep? Sheep don't have any way to distinguish the poisonous plants from the non-poisonous plants. So a shepherd will guide the sheep away from the poisonous plants and get them to the grass that is good for them. Right? In the same way, we need a heavenly father to guide us. Though you do not need those things. Those are not the things for you. Come over here. Uh, Romans calls it, uh, we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. God says, these are what you're going to focus on. These are the things that you're going to need. But we're always taking in. Are, are we not? I mean, when you drive to work, you're on the radio, you're watching billboards, you're always taking in. And, uh, and uh, we need someone to show us which is bad and which is good. Number three, sheep need a leader. Sheep aren't like dogs that have like an alpha male. There's no alpha sheep, okay? There's some, in some sheep things, which I've been reading about all week, it's really boring, by the way. Sheep are not interesting at all. I don't know why God calls us a sheep, but it is the bad news. Uh, they need a leader. They need someone to show them more. Even the smartest, best sheep, the leader sheep, has no clue what they're doing, Right? And so, so some of us say, oh, man, that's, you know, don't call me a sheep. I'm, I'm OK, fine. You're the smartest of all the sheep. Congratulations. You still need a leader. Sheep need protection. You saw the picture of the sheep. There's nothing that sheep has that's really going to protect it. When it runs, it gets tired real easily. They're kind of lopsided. They're fat. They got skinny, tiny little legs. You know, they're trying to get away. Nothing. They, don't, they can't bite you. They can't really kick very well. They're not packing heat. They don't have any way of defending themselves. They need a protector. Okay. As a matter of fact, in Acts, it says this. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. And it goes on. Be careful. There are wolves. Protect those sheep, he's saying to uh, the shepherds there. And then also sheep lack a preserva- self-preservation instinct. They just eat and breed. That's all they do. And sleep. Yes, you got me on a technicality. Okay, sorry about that. Right? They, they, they eat, sleep, drink. Okay. Eliminate. Okay, fine. We go through the whole thing, but you got the you got the point, right? They don't. They they don't. They can't do anything. They can't protect themselves. There's no way. They don't say. You know what? I'm not going to do this because that's why. When Jesus saw the crowds, he said he felt compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were helpless. So bad news for you. You're a sheep. Let me show you some sheep here. I don't know if you've ever been to church and you've met this sheep that I'm about to show you. Okay, this one here. That sheep has been in the church for 40 years in the same ministry the whole time. And you don't touch his ministry. He's got it all figured out. He's big. He's been reading the word all his life and he hasn't moved a muscle. He's got food all down there. You can't say he's never left his pen. That's what we call a big, fat sheep. And some of us. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. All right. Some of us also look like this. Emaciated sheep, just trying to get through life. I just, if I can just get through the day, okay? 
Because we've never encountered what a real rich relationship with Jesus really is. We've never really delved into the Word and had it totally transform our lives. We're not healthy. Or maybe we've just been, maybe the church has done this to us. We've been beaten up by the church. And we're like, I am not sitting around the flock anymore. I want to do it on my own. And that's where it got you. Right? Or maybe you're the best sheep in the world. Maybe they made a statue for you. And that's you. Right? I don't know what city this is in. And I don't know what, like, I'd love to have been in the city council meeting where they're like, what really represents the strength of our city? Uh, a sheep with a flag. You know, I don't, I don't know, but maybe that's you. Maybe you're a doctor or a lawyer and you're super smart. And so you get the title of, of head, uh, pr- uh, the president of the United Sheep. And uh, there you are and whatever. But guess what? You're still a sheep. No matter how great you are, strong you are, smart you are, you're still a sheep in God's eyes. Now, this is bad news, except, except God is a shepherd. And there is nothing, 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 nothing more valuable to a shepherd than sheep. Nothing. To a shepherd, sheep are it. That's it. They know everything about sheep. They know every sheep by name. They can tell you if that sheep goes over here, here's what's going to happen. And here's what's going to happen. The shepherd knows the sheep. And that brings us to the good news. God loves sheep. Jesus loves, 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 loves sheep. As a matter of fact, this sheep has something to say too. Jesus loves you. Okay. (laughs) It's a it's a it's a play on it's a play on words. Cause see, okay. I thought because you weren't laughing that you. Okay, let me show you something. All right, God, what is going on with this thing? I'm gonna put it down. All right. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. Listen, we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You say, but I don't even believe in God. You're still his. Now, whether you've decided in your heart or not to make that relationship right again, if you're out on your own, I, then that, that's a different story. But you are his. You are the sheep of his pasture. It says this and John says this. I mean, uh, Jesus said this in John. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd loves his sheep so much. He lays down his life for the sheep. This is the whole point of Jesus. Jesus knew we were all lost, stupid, blind, dead sheep. And so he paid the price we would normally have to pay. And died on the cross for our sins. Because we'll see in a little bit. It's the sin that separates us from from God. Each has gone his own way. Jesus is a good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. And in uh, 1 Peter, he calls Jesus the chief shepherd. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. So let's get into the text that we were looking at real quick. It says, it starts off like this. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, one of these sheep. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. And I just want to quickly talk about what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean we each have a guardian angel. Okay. 
that isn't in Scripture anywhere. Okay, so it, it, this is where they get that, but that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is that there are angels in heaven that can stand before God who are there for the purpose of, as God commands, helping us. Now you go, man, that sounds kind of like touched by an angel, kind of trippy Hollywood stuff. But it's true. Watch, look at the Hebrews. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Isn't that why they're there? Aren't they there to serve God? And then as God directs, they intervene. Sometimes we've seen all through scripture where they intervene. As a matter of fact, when Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, who came to his rescue at the very end to minister to him? They were angels. Okay. In the same way, this happens. Have I ever seen an angel? No, I have never seen an angel. Well, except on my wedding day. Okay, there we go. Sorry. She's not even here. But she'll listen to the podcast, so it'll be cool. All right. Right. So we have, so what Jesus is saying is, look, don't look down on people whom God values very much, so much so that there are angels there that do his bidding on behalf of those that he loves. You see what I'm saying? So he's saying, don't look down on each other just because you're sheep. Don't look down on each other. And then if you look back in Matthew chapter, uh, verse five, it says, and whoever welcomes a little child like this uh, in my name welcomes me. Another reason why we can't look down on each other in verse 10 here is that we actually represent Christ. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I give you a cup of cold water, the scripture says I've done it unto him. Okay, so when you look down on your fellow uh, believer or someone else, who have you looked down on? Jesus. You said, oh, Jesus can't, can't work that out with him or her. You've given up on somebody that Jesus never gave up on. See, you're saying, or I'm saying, I know better. I know Jesus loves him, redeemed him, wants to do it, but he's a, it's, it's, I'm tired of him. Okay, that's sin. That's wrong. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, in 1 John 4, 20, it says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's why in our, our kind of church motto, it's not unique, about every church I see has it, loving God, loving people. It's not rocket science, okay? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That fulfills the law and the prophets. It's everything. It sums up everything. And so if I say I love God, and yet I'm looking down on a fellow sheep because they're bugging me, I don't really love God because God values, 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 values that sheep. When a homeless person shows up at the, at the door of this church, that person is just as valuable as the doctor that drives up in the BMW. I'm serious. He's just as valuable. In America, we put our values in different categories, education and what kind of cell phone you have, all that kind of stuff, right? Look, watch this. This is I love this verse, Matthew twelve twenty. We're gonna we're gonna get it. This is going somewhere. Trust me. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. Listen, that person you meet that's failed time and time again, that person you meet that's uneducated, that keeps telling you the same stories, the person on the street that's mumbling to himself as he's walking around, God values. 
And you know what? God values you. And you may be in that lost category. You may have that thing, that sin that keeps ensnaring you. You're walking with the flock. Everybody's all, man, you know, everyone's doing great. And you look over, whoa, what's that? And you get ensnared again. And again and again and again. And God says, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back. He doesn't. If there's a little bit of a smoldering there, he doesn't snuff it out. If, you've, if you're just about to break, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My load is light. Okay? And so it's for these reasons. It's for the reason that God, that God values us, that we have to value each other. That's why Paul talks about some are a hand, some are an eye, some are whatever. It doesn't matter. All are valuable to the body of Christ. Okay, so I'm going to just talk about three things very quickly about his love that hopefully something will identify with you. The first is his love is intimate. It's intimate. He loves you. You. Not just everybody. It's not just God loves everybody. He loves you. Think of your own life. You woke up this morning. You had your Wheaties. You were driving. The whole time, God was loving you. Oh, man, I love this guy. I love this girl. It's intimate. And that's why sometimes when we talk about heaven, it gets so, like, out there and it'll, we'll all be there praising God, which is great. But there's going to be another element to heaven. That is you relating to God intimately with who you are. The scriptures talk about different people having different uh, responsibilities in heaven. We'll have different crowns. We'll have different mansions, whatever. I don't understand it all. It's all kind of trippy to me. But I know this much that God who loves me that gave himself up for me, is going to be relating to me for all of eternity in a way I cannot even begin to imagine. You ever been super close to the Lord where you're just like, oh, it was awesome. Maybe a time of worship or whatever. It's like that on steroids. No, not steroids, but you know what I mean. It's like that. It's, we, that's what we were crea- it's why we were created. His love is intimate. It says this, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing for any, 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 not one, to perish, but for all, every, all of us, every single person, to come to repentance, to not be lost, to be found, to be in with the flock, in with relationship with Jesus, underneath the care of a loving shepherd. His love is intimate. And for some of you, you need to understand this. That he loves you, not who you could become, although he's pushing you towards that all the time. Get rid of that sin. It's separating us. But who you are, he loves you. It's intimate. You. And you might have had an earthly father or a boyfriend or a girlfriend that wanted you to be somebody different. Always telling you you're not good enough. Always telling you God's not that way. He loves you. Number two is love is incessant. It doesn't stop. It's like it just keeps going. I love you. I love you. Have you ever been in, have a kid in the back? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's an incessant. Oh, okay. God does the same thing. I love you. I love you. I love you. It, it's uninterruptible. It can't stop. Now, last week, you know, this is a nice fluffy message last week we talked about sin okay so don't forget last week because that's the one that separates us but god's love never stops you cannot stop it you cannot stop god's love you can't do anything to stop it you can't do anything to start it he loves you it's incessant and thirdly 
It's incorruptible. Nothing Nothing can destroy it. You can't stop it. You can't destroy it. It's incorruptible. It doesn't lessen when you do bad things. It doesn't increase when you do good things. As a matter of fact, Romans says this. I love this verse. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor any uh, other created thing, okay, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from that love. Now listen, sin separates you from relationship, but not as love, Okay? His love is always there. Nothing can separate us from that. It's incorruptible. He doesn't go three times, you're gone. You know, you got a three strikes law, you steal a pack of Twinkies, off you go on the third strike, you're out, you're done. Right? And some of you need to hear that word. I've just blown it too many. I promised I would never look at that again. And I just did. And I know I've promised 17,000 times. Forget it. Forget it. It's over. The enemy would have you believe that it is. But listen, I've met many, 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 many people who've blown it that 17,000th time and that 17,001, it's stuck and they're free because God continues, continues to love them through it. As a matter of fact, what must be so frustrating for God is that he loves us more than we ever imagined and knows that we're destroying ourselves. You ever seen a kid? You're like, what are you doing, dude? Why are you making those decisions? Because you know better, and the kid's either arrogant or stupid or whatever the deal is, and you're going, man, how much more does God, with infinite love and infinite knowledge, see how much we hurt ourselves by becoming lost? Listen, if you're lost right now, whether you've never had a relationship with God and you go, man, I just feel it. I sense that I just don't, nothing's working out. You know, man, the life I've led, God wouldn't take me. He will. And he does. But it's up to us. We have to cry out and say, I can't do it. I can't get myself out of it. Some of us are like, you know what? I know I'm stuck, but I can still see the flock. I'll get loose and I'll catch up to him a little later doesn't work that way. When you're stuck, you're stuck. It's God that has to pull you out through what Jesus did on the cross. I want to read a little section of Ezekiel. And uh, it's a pretty indicting section. It's in uh, uh, chapter 34. And the first part of it talks about, I'm not going to get into that, but it talks about shepherds that don't care for their flock. And it makes God mad. So like I was reading that going, oh man, I better make sure I take care of the flock. Uh, so let's not read that one, shall we not? Okay, let's read the one that has to do with you, not me. No, I'm kidding, all right? So, because I'm part of the flock too. It does, I'm a sheep just like anyone else. Listen, because you know what? You might not be lost. You might be in the flock. You might be fine. You're like, no, nope, everything's cool. My relationship with the Lord. This is what God says. God's not happy, by the way, during this section of scripture in Ezekiel. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between, oh, I'm starting in verse 17 here, sorry. I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also 
trample on the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest of the water with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? What it's saying is, for those of us who've been Christians for a long time, and our ministry has become yakking about the church and what you're upset about and what I'm upset about and this and that. When that becomes your ministry, you're just muddying the water. When your ministry has become that you've got a whole bunch, because listen, th- that was me. Th- this scripture is talking about, this is the way I was. I was a big fat sheep in a pen, not doing anything, but just talking about the way it should go. And he goes on in verse 20. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. See myself, Oh, see, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. Okay, now David's been dead for 380 years when this is written. Okay, so it's a, it's a prophecy about Jesus. Okay, it's not about David. I will place over them one shepherd, Jesus, essentially, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, Jesus, will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Just like everything else, it always comes back to Jesus. And so, as the worship band returns, we're going to enter in a a slower time of worship, and I want to read one more section of Scripture. Don't lose me here. Matthew 9.35. So the shepherd Jesus, as we read in Ezekiel, came. And this is what he did. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, do something. Do you, see, do you see him? Is essentially what he's asking. Do something. The first thing I need you to do is pray. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Do something. So maybe for some of us, we've been sitting for a long time and we're getting kind of flabby in our sheep pen. And it's time to step out and do something. Because there's scrawny, straggling, lost sheep everywhere that need the church of Jesus Christ under the banner of our shepherd, Jesus, to do its job and welcome as many into the flock as we can. 